0: Conversations about sex work in the media are rarely honest about all the complexities. They typically only talk about the dangers or only talk about the glamour, but actually it's way more complicated. My name is Sarah Daniel, and I'm the founder and director of Unconditional, a nonprofit for women who work in the sex industry. We exist to be the bridge between the church and sex workers. We bring gifts to local strip clubs and begin life-transforming friendships. We say life transforming because when a church lady and a stripper become best friends, both of their lives and stereotypes of each other are forced to transform. We also help connect women to unique resources and provide wraparound support. If you're in sex work and need assistance, it can be really difficult to find a service provider that won't judge you and can understand the unique challenges you may face. Over the past six years of running unconditional, I've realized just how little the general population understands about the sex industry. I know because I was completely clueless at the beginning. We're starting this podcast to give an opportunity and platform for our friends to share about issues that are important to them and their work. Our hope is that when you're finished listening, you can understand that sex workers are just people, just like you and me. We know that this topic can cause some strong reactions and opinions, and you probably won't agree with what every guest has to say. And if you're a sex worker, Your experience in this occupation may be very different from what you hear. I encourage you to keep listening. We will have a variety of viewpoints, perspectives and experiences represented throughout the show. We want to represent the diversity of this industry as every person has their own story. And as we know, it can be really complicated. In order to protect our guests from any repercussions of participating in this podcast, all names have been changed. Identifying information of clubs or other people mentioned in this podcast have been censored out. Due to the subject matter, viewer discretion is advised. On this episode of It's Complicated, we had some technical difficulties for the first 15 or 20 seconds of the episode, so let me catch you up. Justine and I were talking about how we met the first time and then how we later became friends. You see, we first met at the club, but I actually barely remember meeting her there. Because you see, Justine would not talk to me when we were there and avoided me most of the time as well. And we re-met through a mutual friend semi-recently and she actually apologized for not talking to me when we were at the club. But she did not have to do that. You see, when we're there at the club, We're not there to force anyone to be our friend or to force anybody to talk to us. It's up to the women there working if they want to be our friend or not, or even if they want to take a present home. We're not offended by women who don't want to be our friend. We know some women are there just to work and don't have time to just sit there and chit chat. So we're not easily offended. So if you're listening to this and you've ignored us at the club and you still kind of want to be our friend, don't be afraid to reach out. We're not holding it against you. So let's jump back into a conversation that Justine and I are having, and I can't wait for you to hear the story that she has to tell today. <laughs> it's okay, you know, church ladies aren't for everybody, and I honestly didn't even remember it until you like pointed it out to me and told me, and now I just think it's funny. So <laughs> it's a good friendship story. Yeah. Well, if I yeah, if I had money for every time. I've had friends who were like, I didn't like you at first. I would be very wealthy right
1: now. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, then you're just an, another girl from the club, because that's pretty much how it always starts out. So welcome to the club club. Thank you. <laughs> I
0: appreciate it. Wow. I am uh, I feel very honored to be a part of uh, that club. So anyway, um, why don't you just get started by just telling us a little bit about yourself and um, maybe the background of how you got started in the industry and yeah. Anything you want to share about your background?
1: So I had kind of a rough childhood that lended me towards having self-esteem issues, but I got good grades, so I did go to college right away. However, my background led me to leaving college a little early and starting a career right away in healthcare. And because I didn't have the full education, I wasn't making as much money as I needed to survive on my own, so I ended up becoming a bartender at a strip club, and from there, the customers are like, we want to see the bartender up on stage, Where when are you going up stage? I started seeing all the money that the girls were making, so within about two weeks, I started dancing. Okay. And how long were you in the industry for? I was in for about eight years. Okay. And
0: how long have you been now? Six months now. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so thank you for sharing just a little bit of your background, and As we talk, if there's anything else you wanna share, feel free, Um, and what I said in our last episode too, is the point of this podcast isn't necessarily for women to have to feel like they need to share their story, it can be really personal, um, but to just share about parts of the industry that they're really passionate about, that they want the general population to know about. And so, yeah, so we just are really excited to give you a platform and be able to do that a little bit today. And I remember when you first told me this story, I was completely blown away because I've never heard about anything like this happening. Um, So why don't you just start out by just telling us um, what what happened, what led you
1: to suing a a strip club? So where I lived was close enough to do an easy flight to Vegas. And I kept hearing about girls flying out to Vegas and making thousands of dollars in one night. And it being really easy money and just, you know, Customer after customer. So, my girlfriend and I decided, well, hey, we're going to go fly out there. And we had both only been dancing a couple months. So, we weren't very experienced, but we were optimistic. And we went through this whole process of having to get a license to dance there, which is very different from a lot of places. You have to get fingerprints, you have to be licensed, get a business license. It's very official there. Oh, wow. That's very different than here. Yeah. You just show up. Yeah, so this was if you had certain crimes on your record, you were not going to be allowed to dance. So it felt like a higher level, like once you got in and you got hired at a club, mm-hmm. then you are like, wow, I am really a top-notch dancer. Mm-hmm. So we heard that one club in particular hired girls that were new in a less formal way. Okay. It was you just went up and they hired you. But then you'd come back with your license okay. and do your audition. Okay.
0: Now, just to, to stop right there, back, to back up a little bit, what crimes would prevent you from getting a dancer's license?
1: Prostitution would be the number one thing. Okay. Everyone thinks that prostitution is mm-hmm. legal in Las Vegas. It is not legal in Las Vegas. It is legal in an unincorporated part of Nevada. And even then, you still have to be licensed and you have to work on a quote-unquote ranch okay so that's a whole different story about the labor issues with that right I've never done that so I can't get into the nitty-gritty of that yeah so do you feel like the licensure I'm just really
0: interested in that part of it too because um you know our last episode we talked about um violence against sex workers and what measure measures to prevent that did you feel like the having the license allowed for more um, safety measures for dancers, or did it um, did it help things? Did it make it more difficult? Did it matter?
1: I think it helps in that the other girls, if they had had certain um, assault and battery charges, they couldn't work. If they had drug charges, they couldn't work. Theft oh, wow. charges, they couldn't work. So it kind of weeded out girls that were going to be more dramaful in that respect. Is you knew that if you press charges against anybody at work, mm-hmm. they were going to lose their license. So oh, they, wow. in general, did not want to catch that kind of attention okay. on themselves, especially at work. Okay. Wow, that's so interesting because a lot of times people um,
0: can end up in the industry because they can't find another job because of things on their background. So, yeah, I just I kind of... Sorry, my mind's snowballing if like, I wonder what the repercussions of that are. That is, and, um, yeah. Well, that's not the point this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of drifted
1: off a little bit. And that's not to say that those things don't happen. Mm-hmm. I have seen fights. Yeah. One of my first nights working in Vegas, I saw two girls, one of whom was bashing the other girl's head into the locker. Oh, my gosh. And the bouncers were there right away and called the police. And then another instance, several years later, A girl was accused of stealing a customer's wallet, and they searched her locker and found not only his wallet, someone else's wallet, but a bunch of drugs. And they called the police, and they pressed charges because the club can also have the repercussions of Mm -hmm. if they don't report that they get in trouble too, and they can lose their liquor license. Okay. Which, yeah, that's like the worst thing that can happen to a strip club is losing your liquor license. Especially the one that I was working at, which bills itself as being the world's largest strip club. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of when clubs lose their liquor license, uh, being
0: like juice bars. Have you heard of that?
1: Yes, and they <laughs> the customers don't tend to stay there; yeah. they tend to go elsewhere. There are eighteen and up clubs where you cannot drink, and usually the girls are fully nude. Mm-hmm. So that lends towards a either younger customer or a much older customer that doesn't want to be around rowdy drunks. Hmm. Interesting. That was actually where I got my start, was in a full new club. So when okay. I say I was a bartender, I meant I was serving soda and juice. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so you were uh, a juice barista. I was a juice barista. <laughs> I should have had smoothies there, too. Yeah.
0: Um, which I always think, like, the juice bar, the first thing that comes to my mind is, I'm like, oh, it's this like a hipster strip club? So <laughs> what comes to my head. But. We're, we're
1: too fancy for getting drunk. You have yeah. to just watch and be entertained. Yeah, that, That's awesome. Um...
0: Okay, so kind of sorry, I distracted us a little bit. So, you started working in Vegas, and there was a club that they said they would just, it was a little easier to work there where you could start before you had your license. So, well,
1: you can't really start before you have your license. So, to get your license, you have to be hired at a club. Okay. But this does this chicken and egg situation where how can I get my license if I can't work at a club? And a lot of clubs would be like, don't come in until you have your license. But this particular club was like, "Go see the girl at the front. She mm-hmm. gives you an application with the special stamp that says that you're hired and uh-huh. you're on your way. But then you go back and then they officially hire you. Okay.
0: So it could be like, like if a restaurant would hire you before you had, like, you, like if you interviewed yeah. before you got your liquor license. You yeah. But
1: in this license. case, they literally just go, here's this piece of paper. You're yeah. Like, go get your license, come back. Tonight or however long it takes for you to get your fingerprints done and yeah. everything else. And then you get a provisional license when you okay. first start working. So while they're running your background check, if nothing instantly pops up, they give you this permit that says you can dance until we say you're good or you can't dance at all. Okay.
0: All right. So um, so then you start working there and then what
1: happened? So the audition was just going up and they said change into two pieces and they had several girls there they kind of tried to make sure there were enough of us mm-hmm. so if we got hired they could take us on a tour and explain how everything works in a group instead of one on one yeah so it's Vegas and it's very busy there yeah and so we got hired and they sat us down and gave us a contract and they said So we're hiring you as entertainer models, so if you gain any weight or if you change your appearance in a way that we do not like, we will fire you. And if you are wearing an outfit that we don't approve of, you have to change. You have to work for six hours. You cannot ask to leave unless you're having a medical emergency or you will be fired. And you must pay your house fee, which let me break down what a house fee is. Yeah, let's break down that. So, most dancers are classified as independent contractors, mm-hmm. meaning that we are paying the club to work in the sense that we are renting the club to run our own business. Like a salon. Like a salon. So, in Vegas at this particular club, if you wanted to work at a peak time, mm-hmm. you might pay $100. Mm-hmm. And that's due up Yeah. Now, sometimes if you have been working for a while or if, whoever the door guy is, is feeling more generous, they will let you work if you don't have money, but you will owe the club as soon as you have it. Okay. So you go into debt to work.
0: Okay.
1: And um, so we we knew that already. So we had, and they had the first night free. They're like, just get your sea legs, just figure out how it works. Okay.
0: And so um, had you, at the previous club you'd worked at, was there a house fee there? Did it work similar
1: to that? Yeah, um, they had a house fee, but the way that this first club did it was you would start working, just working, but he would tell you, the manager would tell you what time to come in, what days to work, and forget six hours. If he's telling you to come in at 6 p.m. because he hears a party's coming, you're coming in at 6 p.m. and you're working until close, which at this place was 2 Okay. So if you didn't show up, you would be berated and possibly fired, but you would definitely be put on notice. But at the end of the night, whatever money you've made, they would take 30 to 50%. At
0: the first club you're at, or this one at I the guess. first club?
1: 30 to 50%? Yeah. It depended on really the manager's mood. So he would take. He would take like 10%, officially I so thought it was 10% for the club, uh-huh. 10% for the DJ, 10% for the manager. Because we're supposed to pay the manager, I don't know why.
0: Which the manager's already making money. Yeah, he's
1: already, and the DJ's getting paid too. Right.
0: The only people that aren't getting paid by the club
1: are, are the dancers. Are the dancers.
0: But the only reason anyone's making money
1: is because yeah. of the dancers. Exactly. Ugh. So, I had been a professional, so I understood the concept of taxes and paychecks and a little bit about labor law, like, you know, they have to give me a lunch break. Yeah. But when they're saying you're an independent contractor, you have to pay us, then it's like, okay, I get it. I have to pay your cut. And if he was in a bad mood he, or if he thought you came late or if he thought that you were being a quote-unquote lazy hustler that night and he saw you sitting around, he would upcharge you. He's like, no, you got to give me another 20 bucks for being lazy. Which feels probably super illegal.
0: Is that legal? What are the loopholes there?
1: (laughs) In that sense, I don't know if that club was acting legally because that was considered to be the house fee, which that's not illegal. Mm -hmm. The asking for. A rental, it'd be like a salon. Like, if yeah. you're like, Well, I'm not gonna pay you, they, yeah, they will tell you to go elsewhere, right? So, that's not illegal, right? But when clubs start telling you how long you have to work, what mm-hmm. days you need to show up, and what to wear, those are things that employers tell employees, right? Independent contractor, I'm running my own business. That means if I want to go to work a certain day. I'm going to work. If I'm sick and I don't want to go, I'm not going to go. Right. And if I get there and I decide, those guys, I don't think they like me. I don't want to go talk to them. Mm-hmm. It's my right to sit there and not go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And so when we got to Vegas, it was on that same, they were doing the same things, only they were asking for so much more money. And... They also had this thing called off-stage fees, where if you were not feeling the greatest, or maybe you hurt yourself, or maybe you just didn't feel like going on stage and getting naked in front of thousands of people, mm-hmm. and that's how big this club was, wow. thousands of customers, wow then you had to pay, or if you were talking to a customer... And you're having a really good conversation. You see that this is heading towards a champagne room. And that's going to be bigger money. Yeah. What, they,
0: can you say what a champagne room is? Sorry. So about.
1: a champagne room is where you buy a certain amount of time. Every club has their different times. It's usually like half an hour. I But I've seen 15-minute champagne rooms too. Okay. But it's um, you're paying for the block of time and you're paying for the privacy. Now – say, a club in Indianapolis, some of them are more private than others. Vegas, it's usually your own room. Okay. Like an an office size room. Okay. So they call it a champagne room in Vegas because you have to buy a bottle of champagne or vodka or whatever, but you have to buy a bottle. Okay. So that is how the club gets their cut, Mm -hmm. is they're getting that possibly $500 bottle of alcohol. Wow. And then... (laughs) Everything else, we keep. Okay. But if they pay for the dancer my mm-hmm. card, the club takes 10% from the dancer. What? Yeah, so if you have a customer that goes, hey, I only have a card, they have one of the waitresses and the managers run their card, give them what I call funny money, <laughs> which it's basically monopoly money. It's yeah, a voucher. That. Yeah. And then the customer gives that to the girl or sometimes the club even holds on to those and the girl doesn't get them until the end of the night. Wow. But the girl gets those vouchers and almost every club I've worked at has cut 10% off of those. And what the club in Vegas was doing was telling girls that if a customer wanted to pay with a credit card, but we knew he had cash, we could only accept the credit card payments. Whoa. Yeah. So it was forcing us to let them take a cut. Wow. Okay. So you're
0: seeing all these things happen of like they're charging more money, they're and the the other thing I'm kind of stuck on as you're talking is the charging you for when you're not working.
1: Yeah, so the club in Vegas didn't do this to me because I was considered a travel girl. But Um, And actually, I don't know if I ever saw it happen at Vegas in particular, but there are clubs in Indianapolis where if you are scheduled to work and you miss a day of work, they charge you $40, $50. I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but they charge you for missing your shift, which, okay, so I'm an independent contractor, which Mm -hmm. legally means that you cannot tell me Mm -hmm. when to work. So... Why are you charging me when I miss? Yeah. There's no such thing as a schedule with independent contractors. Right. There's even a club in Indianapolis that has blackout dates where you cannot miss. If there's a game in town, it's a blackout date. If you don't show up, you're fired. Wow. That's, That's not legal. Yeah. And I was told at a club here that... When I'm signing the contract, that means I can't sue. Well, little did they know, I had to sue another (laughs) club and I knew that it wasn't legal. And what they make it seem like is, oh, well, you're signing this, so we Mm -hmm. own you. That's not how the law works. If something's illegal, it's illegal even if you are signing a contract. You can't have someone say, well, you're going to write this contract saying that you're gonna rob a bank with me. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't make it legal, like, oh, right. so if I back out of robbing the bank with you, you're gonna see me for not robbing the bank. No. it's right. an illegal act. Yeah. An illegal contract is not going to stand up in yeah, court law. Void.
0: Yeah. So um so then what started to move you towards action at this club in Las Vegas?
1: Well I started voicing concerns with my friends, especially about the missed stage fee, where mm-hmm. I was constantly having this problem where I was being called on stage and I was talking to someone and Mm. a couple of times we were in the middle of a dance. Mm -hmm. Now there are, when you're giving a table dance, if they call you, you have to go. Mm -hmm. But if you are in the VIP where they get that cut right away, Mm -hmm. they'll take you off the list. But let's say you can't talk someone into that or they say, I don't drink. Why would I want to buy a bottle of alcohol? I'm just here visiting Vegas, but I don't, that's not my kind of party, Mm -hmm. so you're going to end up doing table dances. Well, when you get called on stage, you have the choice of either ending the dances and going up on stage, which a girl, another girl will be there right away, so you miss out on money, Mm -hmm. or you pay $50 for missing your stage, so you miss out on money. (laughs) Wow.
0: Which, uh, for people who don't know, and I guess I don't really know either, do you feel like Do dancers typically make more money if they are in those one-on-one kind of conversations um, and, like, kind of building that rapport with an individual, or are you going to make more money dancing on
1: stage? Typically, it's off stage. Yeah. And you will constantly hear girls go, I don't want to go on stage. Mm. There's not a lot of people in here right right now. I'm tired. I'm just hanging out with this guy, and he's tipping me. Yeah. Why do I have to go on stage when he doesn't want me to go on stage? Right.
0: Yeah, so it's like, especially as an independent contractor, you're not doing what's best for your business. No.
1: And that was a big thing for me, was I'm already paying you $100 just up front. Yeah. Why do I have to pay more when in my best interest is to do what I want? I know how to run my body and my personality are my business. Yeah. They're how I make my money. And you don't know how to best run my business. Yeah. And I understand that they need girls to get up there. Right. But there will always be girls that like going on stage, that want to go up there. Right. That they've been having a hard time going up to people, and the stage is a good opener. Yeah. Where they show off personality and some tricks, and guys will be like, hey, come talk to me later. It's a good opener. Mm-hmm. But when I say, okay, I'm done with stage. I should just be allowed to be done with the stage.
0: Yeah. So then, so, so you're getting these missed stage fees. You're uh, already seeing like these things that you know from your experience of working and uh, and, like the professional kind of setting. Cause I think what happens a lot of times um, with, with women not knowing their rights is, I mean, I know, I didn't know working labor rights when I was 18, you know, and, like, I'd only, like, been fired from Quiznos, and that was my work experience. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of people when they first enter the industry are, like, 18 or 19 and just aren't aware of what their rights are. And you're kind of used to it at that age of, like, older people telling you what to do and not really questioning it, you know, like in high school and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I think you have, like, kind of a unique perspective of coming in, of working other jobs and knowing what your rights are, um...
1: Yeah, Yeah. but even having some professional background, the wording that they were using was making it seem like it was my decisions. It was my decision not to go on stage, so I have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. It was my decision not to walk around. It -hmm. was my decision, but the thing is, is that those are my decisions for my business, I have already paid what is owed to you, Mm -hmm. so why are you taxing me? Mm -hmm. And something that they did that was tricky even for me was they were saying, we're hiring you as a model. Mm -hmm. So models have to look a certain way, models maybe have to act a certain way, and you're an entertainer. Mm -hmm. So we're going to tell you how to entertain. And what failed... (laughs) for me to understand when that was happening because it was so much, they were throwing so much information at me and they're like, don't do this don't do that. Da, 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 da. It was overwhelming. And what occurred to me later was, well, when models work for someone, the models don't pay that photographer to take pictures of them. Mm-hmm. They get paid.
0: Right. If they're working for like a company.
1: Yeah. So quit calling me a model. I'm right. not a model. Yeah. I'm an independent contractor. hmm This They are using wording that is vague and sounds flattering, Mm -hmm. but is really just glib at the end of the day. Mm. So I had quit working at Vegas for a while because I found that I actually wasn't making this hand-over-fist money. Mm. Because the club I was working at, there would be nights where there would be 300 girls working. Whoa. (laughs) So what was happening a lot... Was that, let's say, a girl flies into town, and she had used every dime she had to get Mm -hmm. there. And she had to find a hotel. So she's already running out of money. Mm -hmm. So then she goes and gets her business licenses and all that stuff, and that costs money. Yeah. So she goes to the club. She's broke. And they say, oh, your first night's free. And Mm -hmm. she's just so happy that she will agree to anything. Okay, I'll work. She makes some money, and she's like, oh, this isn't so bad. Mm -hmm. And she's happy to go on stage. she's like, I danced on a stage in Vegas Mm -hmm. in front of all these people. Like, wow, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. Well, the rest of the week, she goes in. $100 right now. Okay, so she dips into the money that she made the night before. Mm -hmm. And she's working the room. And there's not a whole lot of people. Maybe it's a weekday, Mm -hmm. so it's slower. And the other girls have been working there a long time. Mm -hmm. So they are, I call them stripper sharks. They have <laughs> never heard that term they, before. <laughs> they are swimming around. They're smelling blood in the water, and they're striking hard, and they're striking fast. And this girl's from a small town. She doesn't know how to hustle like that. Yeah. The club's certainly not teaching her how to hustle like that. It's something that she just has to figure out on her own. Right. So she's not making as much money. So she's feeling a little disheartened. She has to go. She's maybe in tears because she hasn't made anything, and she's already... Hundred dollars down, and they tell her, Get your ass back out there. Mm. We don't care. You said that you would work for six hours, it's only been four. Mm. Let's say she gets on stage, she rolls her ankle. We don't care. Get out there and work. And so she's just, you know, feeling really bad. She goes back the next night. She dips in another $100, and this time she says, my ankle really hurts. Mm -hmm. Can I not go on stage? I'm like, well, give us $50. That's $150 right there. And she's thinking, well, I agree to all this. Mm -hmm. This is what what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's not right. And they tell girls, you will make so much money but they don't explain all the strings. Mm -hmm. And when they are treating you like an employee and telling you, we're going to tell you everything to do Mm -hmm. except for how to make the money. Right. They're not, there's not a stripper training camp. (laughs) There's it's get out on that floor Mm -hmm. and go hustle. And that's when girls start getting desperate Mm -hmm. and they start doing illegal things Mm -hmm. where I have seen illegal things happen because a girl is like, If I don't make this money, I'm not going to be able to pay rent, Mm -hmm. and they won't even let me leave. Mm -hmm. So it it fosters terrible things to happen to the girls, Mm -hmm. and the managers also take advantage of that. Hey, if you give me a blowjob, I'll tell the next whale, which is a big spender, Mm -hmm. to go with you into the champagne room. Wow. And... There's also a lot of discrimination against women of color Mm -hmm. where they are literally told the only reason you got hired is because you're light-skinned. Wow. But, you know, white girls make the most money. Yeah. So maybe you should bleach your hair and maybe you shouldn't have so much of a tan.
0: Have have you been told that before?
1: I have not been told that. I am mixed race and I am white passing, Mm -hmm. so I get, oh... Are you Eastern European, so Mm -hmm. it's acceptable, but my friend that went with me Mm -hmm. is Hispanic, Mm -hmm. and she felt like they only hired her because I said if you don't hire her, like, basically we're a package deal. Yeah. But she didn't feel comfortable there. Yeah.
0: Which, we're hoping to have a future episode all about racism in the sex industry, because I feel like nobody really talks about that, and... It's something I feel like I've just kind of recently become aware with of just like, yeah, like certain clubs won't
1: hire more than one black girl. And, you know, it's
0: just like, yeah, there's a lot of layers They to
1: it. Yeah, they don't want to get the reputation of being a black club mm-hmm. because then, oh, black customers come in to see black girls and we don't like black customers. That's what it's really about. No. Yeah. They, they see that white girls are... The money makers for them, at least. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole different yeah. animal. Um, <laughs> we'll go back but um, that being said, I stopped going to Vegas as much. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't make good money. Yeah. Because I had a little bit more experience. Yeah. And having an education, it's easier to hold on to a conversation, and keep it mm-hmm. going. The younger girls struggled sometimes mm-hmm. where they were talking to men sometimes that were very educated mbas Mm -hmm. ran businesses were in their 50s Mm -hmm. and yeah guys like young girls sometimes but it's hard they're not sales girls Mm -hmm. they didn't know how to push a sale or upsell Mm -hmm. and the club doesn't tell you how to do it right they're like oh you don't know how to do that oh i guess you're not pretty enough Mm -hmm. or oh i guess you're an idiot Mm -hmm. that's how it's looked at and A lot of clubs reward the girls that make more money. They're like, oh, our star over here. Mm -hmm. But today's star is tomorrow's has-been, where if you have been making great money consistently and then you have an off night, Mm -hmm. they look at you like, oh, so now you're lazy now? You don't have to try as hard? Like, No, I'm just having a bad night. I have a life too. Right. So I quit going as much, but I still went, Mm -hmm. and eventually I moved to Vegas, and so I was working there all the time, and during this time, there was a girl that she is actually biracial, and she had started working at the same club,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and she started noticing all these things too, Mm -hmm. but when they said to her, literally the only reason we hired you is because you're light-skinned. They told her that. Wow. I think it really just started hitting her that everything that they were doing wasn't right. Yeah. So she contacted a lawyer, and this lawyer said, "Hell no, they're not doing anything legal. This is crazy." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, she and her lawyer started sending out um, paperwork to anyone they could find that worked there. Wow. And it ended up turning into a class action lawsuit with over 6,000 of us. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So the the girl who started it,
0: um, was she someone you were friends with or just casually known?
1: No, I never met her. Um, She only worked there a couple months. Okay. And when you work with 300 girls at a time and girls are flying in and out, Mm -hmm. you don't really see... The same person right. a lot, unless they live there. Yeah. So that got going. And I, I was like, you know what? She's right. Mm-hmm. They can't treat us like this. Mm-hmm. So I signed on to be one of the plaintiffs.
0: Okay.
1: And it, you know, legal stuff takes forever. Yeah. So this started in 2009 mm-hmm. and went on for years. And then it went to the judges. And they looked at the employee labor laws Mm -hmm. in Nevada, which had changed recently.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they said, no, you are treating them like employees. And they actually said a quote, and this is a quote from the court, that the performers are, for all practical purposes, quote, not on a pedestal, but in a cage, end quote. Wow. That's what the judge said? That's what the judge said. Wow. And they talked about how Sapphire was basically trapping us Mm -hmm. and making it seem like everything was under our control and that we were choosing to do things. But that was not the case at all. And when they're telling us that they are watching everything we're doing, and telling us what to wear, mm-hmm. when to come, who to talk to, those are what you tell employees to do, mm-hmm. not independent contractors. Wow. that's uh, But what's shocking is a
0: lot of the stuff that you're saying that got brought up in this lawsuit um, is stuff I feel like is universal at clubs. Like, with the, like, especially with, like, the requirements of what to wear, every club I've ever heard of has, like, a shoe height requirement.
1: And that's the thing, is that when something is so systemic, mm-hmm. it makes it seem like that is the standard. Yeah. So, one club came up with this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the other club saw how much money they were making,
0: mm-hmm. so they
1: went, we're all going to do this. Mm-hmm. So then the girls don't have a choice. It's like, where do I go then? Yeah. And the way that the clubs were making it seem is like, well, the the girls need us. So we can do what we want. Mm-hmm. No. The clubs need the girls. Mm-hmm. Because even as the court said, this is not a sports bar or a nightclub. This is where... Customers go to see naked or in stages of nudity dancers. Right. So without the dancers, you have no business. Yeah. So why are you treating your prizes Mm -hmm. like slaves? Which is essentially what they were doing. It was, and I, as a multiracial person, I am not trying to diminish slavery. Right. Right. But when you are purposely trying to put women into debt, yeah, to force them to work for you, yeah, I don't know what else you're going to call it. I
0: mean, I mean that to me uh, seems like labor trafficking because, like, the definition of trafficking is like forced, broader coercion, and everything that you're saying is so like manipulation and you know, like all those things is like. It's just, it's crazy because I feel like people get so obsessed with like sex trafficking in the sex industry and nobody really talks about the labor exploitation that's happening all the time. And yeah, so I just think this conversation is so important for women to know their rights. Um, So after this lawsuit started and you were plaintiff on it, were you still working at the club during that? And how did that affect you? And
1: I ended up working at different clubs because I didn't know how it was going to roll back on me if we lost. Right. Who knows what they... Because they knew what girls were suing them. Yeah. And I didn't want the blowback. Mm -hmm. So I started working at other clubs that were doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And it was so frustrating when I would go to an interview and I'm thinking, this isn't legal, this isn't legal, this isn't legal what are you what's going on yeah but like I'm already in one lawsuit yeah I'm just gonna leave those other ones alone because I don't want to be doing multiple lawsuits and lose all of them right well because
0: I also I mean I'm just thinking about how brave it was to to be a plaintiff on this lawsuit because like this is your livelihood you know what I mean and I think like it's easy for someone like me to sit back and just be like, oh well yeah like take down the man sue him do whatever it takes but like that's your job
1: yeah, and in Vegas, it wasn't like if you if you got one club club mad at you in Vegas, you go to another one. They don't care. Yeah. But in smaller towns, they tell girls you are only allowed to work at this club. And if you go to another one, we're going to call them and tell them that you can't work there, or we're going to tell them terrible things about you, so they don't want you to work there. Mm-hmm. And independent contractor, I can work where I want, when I want to stop it. Yeah. So it's this, they make it seem like everything is your choice. Like, well, if you choose to try to go somewhere else, we're going to fire you. That was your choice to do that. Mm -hmm. But when things aren't legal, it's not a choice. It's coercion. Mm -hmm. Dang. Yeah. That's, uh, that's all crazy.
0: So, um, as you so when did the lawsuit finally go through and how did that
1: like did you have to go testify or anything or uh no I didn't um they had the lead plaintiff she handled that and I think she had six other lead plaintiffs with her okay and so they I cannot say thank you enough to them because Mm. they are rock stars like that is so brave yeah to put yourself out there and They got countersued, too. Oh, wow. Which I don't know the specifics of that, but they risked so much. Mm. And they also put themselves out there to the public. Yeah. Where people were calling them whores. And they Mm. were saying, oh, these ungrateful whores, these prostitutes that don't know their place. Because they were saying, we deserve to be treated better than that. And society usually says, sex workers don't. Mm. And... I just, I cannot imagine how nervous they were to go up there, and they have these clubs that are making millions of dollars, so they can hire these crazy lawyers that were probably tearing them apart, Mm -hmm. and they stood strong. Wow.
0: Yeah, like, because I think, yeah, that's, that's a layer of it that I think people don't think about, too, is, like, how to sue a club, you have to come out with what your occupation is, and that's... Like, I don't, like, you don't, we don't know if the people, the lead plaintiff, if her family knew that she danced or, you know what I mean? Or, and then that can affect not just other jobs in in, in the industry as an entertainer, but also in other jobs. Because then if she wanted to switch careers, then everyone's going to know that she was a dancer and people can hold that against her too.
1: Yeah. And she, she went out there and gave interviews to newspapers. She got the word out there. Yeah. And she planted her flag and refused to budge. Mm. And I, I have nothing but respect for her. I don't know her on a personal level. I don't know what she does in her personal life. But mm-hmm. the fact that she did that and got 6,000 other girls in it is yeah. incredible.
0: She's like my hero now. <laughs> yeah, she's totally that's, my hero. That's amazing. Um do you know she still
1: dances or? I think she's retired. Okay. I think that it left a bad taste in her mouth as of an interview that I read that happened around when the uh, case was decided, mm-hmm. she seemed like she was doing something else. Okay. And for her in Vegas, I don't know if there'd be much opportunity mm. because yeah, it's one thing if you're. Some nobody dancer, and you bounce around from club to club out there. Right. They're they have hundreds of other girls. They don't know. But when you are the girl mm-hmm. that sued the world's largest club, yeah, you might have a target on you. Yeah.
0: Jeez. Which we've we've mentioned the club by name, Sapphire. Um, and normally I bleep it out, but this is all public record.
1: Yes. This is um Terry versus Sapphire Gentlemen's Club.
0: Yeah. So I w- I wanted to put it out there so that then people can research it and look it up too. Cause I think it's a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> and so when did the, what year did the decision come through and when was it finished?
1: It came through in 2014 Okay. and we won. Yes. So that's it, awesome. I he said that already, but I love to stress. <laughs> we actually won. Yeah. I was shocked. I, I just had this feeling like we're not going to win because no one's going to take us seriously. Mm-hmm. And Nevada took us seriously. Yeah. And they ruled that <laughs> Sapphire owed us millions of dollars in back wages. Wow. So I can't say what I got mm-hmm. because I was a travel dancer and yeah. I quit working there for a while. So they went off of what we had paid in house fees. Mm-hmm. And then of course the lawyers had to took their money mm-hmm. and the, main plaintiffs got more of that because they initiated it. But yeah. I didn't even care. I yeah, was just it like, wasn't really about the money. It was not about the money. It was about me having and all of us having autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's, really, it's really dehumanizing to be told that you are basically worthless because you're not making money
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it's like, what's wrong with you. Why aren't you making money? There's money in here. Mm-hmm. And you get that. Every club I worked at, they've done this. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you're just being lazy. Oh, maybe you're not that cute. Maybe this, you know, they break you down. And they think it's to force you to go out there mm-hmm. and talk to people. Well, how do you talk to someone after you've just been told you're a lazy piece of shit? Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. I, I mean, I suck. Like, you know, yeah. that no, you don't make money. And that's what drives me crazy about this industry is that they think that abuse is motivation mm. when it's so much easier for a girl to go make money when she's being told, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, it's not it's not going to be your night every night. It's okay. Yeah. And on the younger girls, when they are still developing mm-hmm. and they're figuring out who they are, mm-hmm. and a lot of the girls have come from really rough backgrounds where they've been hearing this all the time Mm -hmm. and then they hear it at work too yeah and the other girls start feeling competitive with them so they're definitely not going to be like oh no you got this girl I mean sometimes they are but when you already feel like everyone's against you even encouragement is suspect yeah so when you're not feeling well and you feel like I have to go to work Mm -hmm. or I'm going to get fired yeah, or I'm going to have to pay, what are you going to do? Right. You're going to go to work and it's just going to snowball. Yeah. (sighs) Jeez. So, um,
0: after this happened, um, was it, was it hard to stay in the industry knowing things that were happening that were illegal? Did you ever think about suing other clubs or were you just kind of like, I'm just going to get through it and do something else later or?
1: I kind of thought that I'm going to go just get through it and do something later. And when I switched States, I moved Mm -hmm. and I went to here where there's no licenses Mm -hmm. and they let girls even younger than I'd known before in the clubs that serve alcohol. So where I came from, if you were 18, you could work in an 18 and up club. Mm-hmm. But if the club served alcohol, it had to be 21, and you couldn't work there unless you were 21 years old. Right. That's the same way it is in Vegas. Here, they let 18-year-old... You could be in high school. As long as you're 18 and they need a body out there, mm-hmm. they're going to throw you out there. And this job became more difficult, not just because I saw, okay, I went from this victory in Vegas to... Mm -hmm. you know it's even worse with them saying like oh now we're going to fine you for not showing up Mm -hmm. but these young girls that of course the clubs say officially like you can't drink but these girls are drinking Yeah, I've seen them drink Yeah, I've seen them served Mm -hmm. and it's always like wink wink under the table and they're messing these girls up Mm -hmm. they're turning them into alcoholics and sometimes they're turning them into drug addicts Mm -hmm. they're is a huge problem where girls are ODing in the clubs. And they always go, oh, well, I knew she was going to OD. Then why are you letting her work? Yeah. Why, if you know she has a drug problem and you know that her drug dealer comes in here and you see him locking the door. Right. Why are you letting her in here? Why are you letting him in here? Mm -hmm. Oh, because you're going to make money off of her and you're going to make money off of him. So you don't care. And that's when I started having real problems where I dreaded going to work. Yeah. And then I started drinking too much at work mm-hmm. because I'm like, I can't be here. I feel gross being here. And I had never felt ashamed of my job before because yeah. who cares? It's you know showing some boots for money, like big deal. Mm-hmm. But when I start seeing these young girls, 18-year-old girls, circling down the drain Mm -hmm. and no one wants to help them Mm -hmm. just see the dollar signs instead of the human just see money instead of a human Mm -hmm. that was soul crushing Mm -hmm. and I had to get out
0: Mm -hmm. well I think it's really um amazing that that you did get out because I think sometimes it's really easy to stay there for a long time even when you feel like your soul's being crushed because it's like hard like it's a lot of money you know and it's not easy um so I just want to say like I don't know I just really admire you as a person just like not just freaking out I mean I admire you still if you were in it but just like you know what I mean like you're you're so like yeah I think your story is so amazing of just like how you um see people and um the strength to be a part of all that and I mean I, I mean, I love like social justice and anyone taking down the man. <laughs> so I like, I don't know. I just think uh, that you're really incredible and um, to to be an advocate for, because I feel like to be a part of that lawsuit, like you can't just be thinking about yourself. You know what I mean? It's about like all all women. So what um, what advice would you give for both like young dancers who are just starting out in it? What advice would you give them to? Um, to know their rights and to not be labor exploited. Um, and then also like just, and maybe even just like how to, you know, to not circle down the drain as you put it earlier.
1: Well, and I'm going to get some flack from other dancers, but (laughs) I don't think 18 year olds should be dancing. Mm -hmm. I don't think 19 year olds should be dancing. I don't think 20 year olds should be dancing. Yeah. If there is alcohol in there and you are underage. You don't belong there. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're not old enough, and you will be compelled to drink. Mm-hmm. There will be a customer that will be like, come on, just drink. hmm And that is a predatory customer.
0: hmm
1: And I think the environment itself would be too predatory for you. Yeah. Go find an 18 net club that doesn't have alcohol yeah. if you really want to dance that bad. Yeah, But that being said, I think take some time to figure out what you want to do with your life because this is not – a career
0: mm-hmm. this is
1: a job that when you hit a certain age you you might not be able to do it anymore it's physically demanding mm-hmm. so have a backup plan mm-hmm. I know a lot of girls that are in cosmetology school mm-hmm. It you know just anything just have a plan B because if you the other thing that I forgot to mention is that when you are an independent contractor you don't get health insurance right or workman's comp. Or workman's comp, and girls get hurt. Mm-hmm. This is a physical job. Or I know girls that got in car accidents, mm-hmm. or just had other things happen to them, and they couldn't work, and they had nothing saved up because mm-hmm. you never know how much money you're gonna make. Right. So have a plan B. Have an nest egg. Mm-hmm. Just have contingencies if this doesn't work out for you. Which yeah. is another thing is girls. Get told you're going to make this hand over fist money. And there was one girl I worked with that she started off as a bartender. And she saw, just like I did, everyone's making so much money. Yeah. And I said, honey, I don't think this job is for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You. What made you say that? She was very easily hurt by any little comment that someone made, and mm. she was just a bartender. Yeah. So she wasn't getting much. Yeah. It was just like, oh, your hair is a little big today or something, and she would freak out about it. Mm. So she goes, no, 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 I'll be okay. Like, I see how much the guys love you girls. Like, they always talk nice. Like, they talk nice to you about us. Right. That doesn't mean they're saying these nice things to us. Yeah. So she started dancing, and – she couldn't handle it. It messed with her right away. And hmm. she also seemed to not understand that when you are giving someone a lap dance, even if in whatever area it is, there are degrees of touching that are legal and degrees right. that are not, Right. she couldn't handle someone putting his hand on her hip. Hmm. It messed with her. Yeah. And she just didn't – she had spent all this money getting her license. She spent, like, $600 getting her license. And she goes, that was $600. I feel like I have to do this now Hmm. because I invested too much money. So it's $600 for a license in Las Vegas? Um, In Vegas, it's a little bit cheaper. This is in a different state. Okay, okay. But she had spent all that money, you know, and even – you know, you have to go buy your shoes. You have to go buy your right. outfits. Which it's, are
0: expensive. I mean, just yeah. bras are expensive So for yeah. anybody. So. so, like,
1: you're looking at $60 for a bra, $50 for your shoes, and then you get a garter because some places make you wear a garter. Mm-hmm. And you need to have your makeup and you need to have your hair. Your nails. And your spray tan nails. And you, you, I mean, girls can go out there rocking the natural look and kill it. But yeah. then most of us <laughs> have to do something. <laughs> So, it was just so much investment for her that she felt she had no choice now at that point, Hmm. and she was crying a lot at work, and Mm -hmm. the manager was going up and yelling at her, Mm. and she fell into drugs almost right away, Wow! and it was really sad seeing that decline. Mm -hmm. So, do you feel like there's
0: just... Do you feel like there's certain people that can handle this job and certain people that can't, or...
1: Yeah, there... If you are a tough personality, like, you aren't going to get bossed around easily, and you don't care what people think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then you might make it. Yeah. But I I think there's this myth that, that it's easy money. Right. And girls always... I've been guilty of this, too, so I'm not throwing any shade, <laughs> but... Girls will generally talk about to non-strippers how much money they make. Mm -hmm. They won't tell civilians, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, sometimes I don't make any money or sometimes I go into debt going to work. We don't tell them. Why would I want to tell someone that? Right. I want to say, yeah, I drive a Mercedes. I buy everything I want. I have all this, all Mm that. I'm not going to say, like, yeah, and I had to eat Top Ramen for a week, like a mm-hmm. starving student again. Like, yeah, no. So it puts this out there that it's just if you aren't making money, there's something wrong with you, mm. and that's that's not right to do that to anyone. If you right. there, there's no other profession aside from sex work that you are you're so tied to how you look mm-hmm. and how much money you're making it. In both of those. Like, Mm -hmm. so if you are getting told, well, you're not making money because you're ugly. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, geez, thanks. Like, what am I supposed to do then? And then you're on on top of that, oh, you're also lazy and you're not smart. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I have wondered what the, um, what the overlaps are for people that work in, like, Hollywood entertainment industry. You know what I mean? I have, like, wondered about that, like, how women in that industry feel as well.
1: Well, and... But that's where women in general should be concerned about what's going on with sex workers. Mm -hmm. Because if society treats us as the bottom rung, then you can get an indication about how you're going to get treated by how the bottom rung is getting treated. So if they are exploiting us, Mm -hmm. then you can bet that they are exploiting hotel workers. Mm -hmm. They are exploiting models. Mm -hmm. They are exploiting cheerleaders mm-hmm. which these are jobs that you know women are being told sell your body and when it's not even like for sex work like there's nothing sexual but a hotel worker she is selling her body by cleaning hotel room after hotel room right and getting paid pennies on the dollar right. and being told if she doesn't clean enough rooms she's fired mm-hmm. and she might be an immigrant she might be a high school dropout she Mm -hmm. might be a recently divorced mom Mm -hmm. that hasn't had experience in 15 years and she's being told her only job is to clean and if she's not cleaning fast enough you're terrible Mm -hmm. and we're not going to pay you anything for it either and then models you know that you're literally only worth what you look like like that's self-explanatory but then there's NFL cheerleaders, where they are put on what's supposed to be this huge pedestal. Mm-hmm. They get paid crap. They get paid practically nothing. Yeah. And they're it's, considered... It's insane. Yeah, and they're considered part-time. Yeah. Which, I don't understand how they could be considered part-time when they are mm-hmm. forced to go to basically everything the team goes to. Right. Are, so, the team is part-time. Yeah. And they don't get paid for their practices. Yeah. So, when do you pay them? Yeah. And that's, you know... That's slightly more sexually exploitative because of the nature of cheerleading, the mm-hmm. they want them in the costumes, but they shouldn't be forced to sell their bodies for less than what they're worth. Yeah. And when Oakland, the cheerleaders there, mm-hmm. said, Hey, we're not gonna take it anymore, <laughs> they yeah. fire the whole team. Wow. Yeah, I think what you
0: said was really profound about like how all women should be concerned about how women are being treated in sex work because um, like that's something I feel like once I started being really exposed to the sex industry and having lots of friends in this work, it made me realize how women are treated so similarly in sex work as in corporate America or in the church and in these different areas where it's just like it's a little bit more um, hard to pinpoint. But it's like once I started seeing how women were – were treated sometimes in sex work and just the similarities of how that's treated in all life. It's like this is concerning <laughs> like yeah. it just it just manifests a little different in different settings, but it's like there's this overall like message to women of like don't believe that you're worth it basically.
1: And what Women get told it's like, oh, we're only treating those women like that. Mm -hmm. They're bad. Mm
0: -hmm. She's a stripper.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, she's probably on drugs. She's probably a prostitute. You know, that's okay to treat her like that because those were her life choices. Mm -hmm. So, where do we draw the line between, okay, so you are going to any business and you're a woman, and to some people, a woman has no place working at all. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you made that choice to go out and work. What did you expect to happen to you mm-hmm. when, when? So, <laughs> this is going to be a whole different thing. But <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it, it applies a little bit to this. So, there are women that are being murdered in Mexico, and this has been going on for decades now. Mm-hmm. And the town that it is in, oh, there's a lot of this apathetic look that. Well, these women left home mm-hmm. to go work in the bars, to go work as maids and waitresses. What were they expecting to happen?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you can go, oh, yeah, that's a Mexico, but that's a, a viewpoint that's held by a lot of people. It's that you're supposed to just be a wife and mother, yeah. and you be safe at home, yeah. but if you try – to go do something on your own, whatever Mm -hmm. happens to you. If your boss sexually harasses you, well, don't be frigid. Just Mm -hmm. let him. He's a man. Mm -hmm. Just let him. Yeah. So where do we draw the line? Yeah. We're just – sex workers are just more in control of it in the sense of that we are not consenting to sexual harassment, but we know the score. We know it's about some sort of sexual thing.
0: Mm -hmm. When
1: you're a secretary – Mm-hmm. you are not getting that job thinking there's any sex involved in it. You're thinking right. I'm going to be a secretary. Yeah. But your boss might not see any difference between a secretary and a stripper. Mm-hmm. Wow. Except you won't hire someone that has a stripper yeah, on their probably, he... resume,
0: which is whole other discussion. Yeah. <laughs> another <laughs> episode that we will be having is uh, about the discrimination that sex workers face when trying to go to other occupations. But, um, yeah, no, I just think that's really true. And you see the trickle down of, um, of how women are treated. And I feel like in some ways it's just like the more like in your face obvious way. Um, but yeah, and that's why I think it's important for women to, not, to, to support each other. And especially I feel like sometimes society tries to like pit sex, like, pit women against sex workers um, as and, like, kind of draw out women's, like, insecurities and
1: stuff with sex
0: workers so then we can be like, oh, well, like, I don't want anything to do with them.
1: And that's what's disheartening about this third wave feminism is that it's been incredibly sex worker exclusionary. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel a part of it at all. I don't, honestly, I don't want to be a part of it because Mm they (laughs) they look at sex work as that we are purposely exploiting ourselves Mm -hmm. and to me if you're looking at women like that then you're actually probably have some self-internalized misogynism yourself but you're just calling yourself a feminist because if you go well I can have sex with whoever I want but you can't make money off of it, mm-hmm. that's not, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. If you can go have sex with whoever you want and that's your right and your body autonomy, then why can't I make money off of showing my body? Mm-hmm. There's, or why can't someone else make money off of having sex with someone? If she if she's going to have sex with them anyway, what business does anyone if there is a transaction involved? Yeah I feel like there's just
0: there's a lot that just leaves out sex workers and so that's kind of that's the hope of this podcast is that it helps educate people of understanding like it's (laughs) it's complicated (laughs) and just that um, sex workers are people and are honestly some of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life and in that it's not just like easy money, because I, I do think, like, there is this persona of, like, oh, like, I've heard other, like, dancers complain about it, too, of, like, people who like, oh, well, I could be a stripper, it's like, probably not, <laughs> it's really difficult job, and takes a lot of skills, and...
1: Yeah, and I think, I used to love dancing, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a dancer when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I took ballroom dance lessons, mm-hmm. and so dancing, in a way when you get on stage any stage if that's a passion mm-hmm. and you have people cheering for you especially when you do a trick that's hard mm-hmm. you feel like you're on top of the world mm-hmm. and i think that sex work in general could be so much more empowering to women if these the exploitations if the sexual harassment if this look of you know you're only doing this because there's something wrong with you. No, maybe I'm just like dancing. Maybe I just like making people feel good. Hmm. Maybe I'm a social person. Maybe I have more skills than you think I do. And maybe I'm a businesswoman at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Yeah. That when we hit that turning point, that's gonna be amazing. Hmm well thank you for
0: being that's a good (laughs) stopping point uh but thank you for just coming in today and sharing and um yeah i just hope that our listeners um can just start seeing women as as individuals and not as this far away other that they don't understand but just as like just ordinary or extraordinary in many ways women that are um making a living and want to not be not have their labor exploited at work
1: yeah that's the least they can do for us yeah
0: can we all just uh, yeah, no violence against sex workers and no labor
1: exploitation I think that's a really good starting point for um protecting my friends so well thank you so much for doing this it really means a lot that we have an ally and someone that's giving us a voice well thanks for being my friend taking a chance on me even
0: (laughs) post class (laughs) so I well we will wrap up with that today thank you for tuning in Um, and as always if you want more information on how to be involved or if you work in the industry and need any assistance or just um, want some extra support or people to talk to you can find all that information on our website unconditionalministries.com you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram Um, our handle is unconditionalindy. so thank you very much and